as uh, in past uh, Yamim Tovim or preceding Yamim Tovim, this year is uh, dedicated by the family of Dr. Chuck Feldman, Sichronoli Bracha, in memory of an exemplary model of dedication to family, community, and Torah education, Yizik Rob Baruch. I have a special connection to the sons studied in the yeshiva and we've remained close ever since so it's um, you know it's a special special for me that i'm able to give a shayur dedicated to dr feldman's memory what i'd like to do is talk a little bit about shavuot and a little bit about babit bar the parashata shavuot and hopefully when we get through it all it'll all make some sort of sense uh, first, I, I want to, to mention, how, how is it that we refer, refer to Chag Shavuot in the Torah? The Torah is not shy about Shavuot, but it's actually what we call Shavuot, which is a holiday that takes place after the 49th day of the Omer. It was uh, unlike other holidays, which have dates, right? Sukkot has a date, the 15th of Tishrei, and Pesach has a date, the 15th of, of Nisan. Uh, Shavuot doesn't have a date. There's not a date in the month of Siva. Now, it's a little confusing because today, Shavuot does have a date. Shavuot today is always on the sixth day of Siva. But that's because we have what is called an intercalated calendar, which means that we make the calendar do what we want it to do. So for some reason we wanted, we wanted the day of Shavuot to come out on the sixth day of Sivan, so we make it do that. Because, because in our calendar, we don't really pay attention to the new moon which is what the Torah directs us to do and what the Mishnayot in Rosh Hashanah tell us to do. You look at the moon and you know it's Rosh Chodesh. Now if you were in Shul last week, at some time or other, they did Birkat, what they called Birkat Kiddush HaKodesh. Okay, that itself is, is its own problem, but there's a Minhag that before, after the first big paragraph, Somebody announces the molat. Somebody. This is, you know, not a job for which you have to pay money. But it's a job. You have to announce the molat. Now, Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh was, when was Rosh Chodesh? Yesterday. Yes, yesterday. No. <coughs> yeah, yesterday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday is yesterday. Tuesday, yes. Yesterday is Rosh, was Rosh Chodesh, right? But the Molad, which means when you could see the new moon, which we know about because of astronomy and kindred subjects, was on Monday. The announcement said that the new moon will, will be sighted on Monday. And Rosh Chodesh was on Tuesday, which means that today, except for like a general kind of the same vicinity kind of thing but in general 
Rosh Chodesh and the sighting of the new moon have nothing to do with each other anymore. So you remember, in the olden times, witnesses would come to the Beit Din in Yerushalayim. If you've learned the Mishnayot in Rosh Hashanah, they would come and they would say, we have seen the new moon. And based on that, the fact that they had seen the new moon, the, the Beit Din in Yerushalayim would announce Rosh Chodesh on that day. There was a, a problem that uh, there was certain sacrifices that have to be brought on Rosh Chodesh, certain special sacrifices. Now, how do we know that? How do we know it? Because we say Musaf on Rosh Chodesh. Right? There's a tefillah called tefillah Musaf. When do we say Musaf? When there is a Musaf sacrifice. So in the olden times, they would bring special sacrifices on Rosh Chodesh. And therefore, they had to accept the witnesses early enough in the day so that they could get it organized and give these sacrifices in the temple on Rosh Chodesh. So they, they said that even though generally the Beit Din accepts witnesses until nighttime, that's when they kind of close up at night time. Here, in, in this case, they ended the day early to make sure that if the witnesses would show up, they would have enough time in the Beit HaMikdash to give the necessary sacrifices. In the course of time, in the course of time, Rosh Chodesh became a problem because, <coughs> because the, the uh, Samaritans uh, Shomronim, Kutim, they're called by these various names, Samaritans who still actually exist in Israel. And, you know, about once in 20, every 20 years, National Geographic does a big story on the Samaritans. So you could go through it that way. I don't know about Discovery Channel, whether they do. But they're interesting because they still give sacrifices. So, you know, National Geographic, they're a little uh, anti-Semitic, not more than many others, but a little anti-Semitic. So they get a kick out of saying that there's a Jewish group that is giving sacrifices someplace or other, which is something that's totally different than making a barbecue. Well, it's like, really, it's a barbecue. But actually, they get annoyed because it's called a sacrifice. So, there were these problems with Rosh Chodesh. They had to announce Rosh Chodesh to the entire Jewish world. The way they did it was they built a fire on this mountain, and then the people on the next mountain saw the fire, and the first, they built a fire, and they built a fire, and they, they went all the way to Babylon. These father fires, and then everybody would get to know when Rosh Chodesh was. So if it was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, you had 15 days to find out when Rosh Chodesh was. Because it's only in the Beit HaMikdash that they did something special. But on, on, on Pesach, Pesach, everybody's going to do something special. So they had to figure out when Pesach was. So 15 days, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it was, it was possible to figure it out. Uh, when they started messing up with these fires and the Rosh Chodesh, it became a problem, but not so much a problem as Shavuot. Because Shavuot, again, Shavuot, I told you, is the 50th day throughout the Omer. So really, it shouldn't be a problem at all. But we'll see that there was a little bit of a problem 
even for Shavuot, which took place at the beginning, at the beginning of the month. Okay, that's that's Shavuot. That's not Shavuot. So I so I wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that we understand that the calendar, the Jewish calendar, which became fixed at the end of the Tanaitic period, we think. I mean, I'm telling you things that other people say, right? I'm not uh, a world expert on most things, and certainly not on the calendar. But most people say that Rabbi Huda Nasi, uh, who was, had a grandson named Rabbi Huda Nasiya, and, and he was kind of responsible for promulgating the calendar that we use today. So that means that the calendar was a mess, and then it got straightened out. And one of the things that was straightened out about the calendar was that no longer was Shavuot, the 49th day of Surat Omer, come what may. Because between Pesach, which is in Nisan, Iyar and Sivan, two Rosh Chodeshes, right? Each Rosh Chodesh could be two days or one day. If both of them were two days, Rosh Chodesh would be the second day was Aleph. That means you push it off, sort of in the date. The, the, the date of, of uh, Shavuot gets pushed off. Or if the witnesses came immediately after the 29th day of the previous month, so it was, so it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the date was, according to the Torah. It only mattered that it was 49, the 50th day after the first day of Pesach. But once the calendar and the counting got messed up in different ways, this became a problem. Eventually, it turned into what we call a luach. And the luach, the exciting thing about the luach is, you just look at the luach. And you know everything. You don't have to know anything. But you have to remember that the luach had standardized the date of, um, of uh, Shavuot. Vav Sivan. Every single year. Whereas according to the Torah, that would not be the case. That would not be the case. Now, why did this happen? I preface everything by, I don't know. So I don't have to say that anymore. So now I say, why did this happen? Well, there's an anomaly when it comes to Shavuot. Shavuot is mentioned, the holiday of Shavuot is mentioned three times in the Torah under three different names. So if we look at it, you see the first pasuk, Chagatatzir Bikurei Ma'asecha Asher Tizra Basadeh V'chag Ha'asif B'tzeita Shana B'chad Ma'asecha Min Ha'asadeh So Chag, the word Chag in the Torah. Uh, well, the word Chag is it's not an obvious, the obvious, it's not an obvious word. It means to go around. Why a Chag is called a Chag it has to do with going around, I don't know. But the Chagim that we know about are called also the Torah Mikra'e Kodesh, which is an allusion to the fact that you don't do Melacha. Certain Melacha is not done on the Chag, just as on Shabbat we don't do certain Melacha. <coughs> so here in this Pasuk, there are two Chagim that are mentioned. Chag HaKatsir and Chag HaAsif. Chag HaKatsir is the time of Shavuot, 
and Chagas say because of the time of Sukkot. Now, what does Rashi say? You see Rashi? Chagakatsir, who Chagashavuot? Who Chagashavuot? Now, why does Rashi call it Chagashavuot? I mean, Chagakatsir, because we don't call it Chagakatsir. We. We are not so connected to the agricultural cycle of things. We don't call it Chagakatsir. And Rashi says, that's what we call Chagashavuot. We call Chagashavuot. If that, I'm not sure, not sure that that's true. Let's look at the second pasuk. The second pasuk says, "Biyoma bikurim, ba'kivchem minchach alashal Hashem." Biyom habikurim, the day of the bringing of bikurim. Bikurim are the first fruits, right? Which in the Torah are discussed in several places, but also at the end of the Torah. Rashi says, "Biyom habikurim." Because they brought on that holiday this Shtei HaLechem to the, to the Beit HaMikdash, these two loaves made from new wheat. Al Shem Shtei HaLechem, Shem Rishonim Leminchat Chitim, Abaim Minachadash. Oh, Rashi tells a lot of things, right? They are the first sacrifice made of wheat and flour brought min hakadash right the new wheat the new wheat most people know that there is such a prohibition which may even exist in chutzlaaretz which has become very popular in recent years in recent years i find it uh, amazing to what extent jews will go to distinguish themselves from their neighbors their jewish neighbors not uh, non-Jews, and there's somebody I know in Muncie who tracks barrels of flour. How are the flour covered? The sacks, these big sacks of flour. He tracks them, and so he can tell you which bakery in the United States of America is suspected of using non-chadash, right? Le- uh, yashan, yashan. Okay, so here it says that this pasuk that we just read, uh, one second, it says Yoma Bikurim. So Rashi says Chagashavuot Karui Bikurim Ktsir Chitim Al Shem Shtei Alechem Shem Rishonim Lemichat Chitim Abayim Echadash. That's a special sacrifice that you bring in the Beit Hamikdash on Shavuot, and therefore the Torah says that the name of the holiday is Chagabikurim. Because uh, oh, the name of the holiday is Biyoma Bikurim. And Rashi says, Chag Shavuot. And it was Rashi says, we call it Shavuot. That's what we call it. But the Torah calls it either Chag Katsir or Chag Bikurim. Now the next Pasuk. Pasita Chag, Pasuk, Dvarim Peretetzai Pasuk Yud. Pasita Chag Shavuot La Hashem Elokecha. Vasita, a positive commandment. Right? Do something. Chag Shavuot. What does that mean? What's Chag Shavuot? Well, it's the Chag that comes at the end of the counting of the Svirata Omer. Chag Shavuot. Misat Nidvat Yadcha Shev. Detain, right? You have to bring some kind of offering. 
somehow in line with the bracha that you receive from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rashi says, uh, You bring in accordance with the bracha that you have received. The Kadesh crew im So you you offer uh, great great pleasure and great joy in accordance with what you've reaped and harvested. You offer this sacrifice. So we could say that in the Torah, in the Torah, this holiday has three names: Chagakatzir, right? That's one name. Chagapikurim is another name. And the third name is Shavuot, the name that has become popular, as Rashi points out, over time, is Chag Shavuot. But this is not entirely true. This is not entirely true, because we don't call it Chag Shavuot. At least, when the get going gets rough, we don't call it Chag Shavuot. But if you remember, when you make Kiddush. On Yontif, on Shavuot, when you daven the Shmona Esrei of Shavuot, what do you call it? Zman Matan Now that is absolutely incorrect for two reasons. First, uh, we don't know when the Zman Matan Taratena was. Is a machloket in the Gemara whether it took place on Vav Sivan or Zayin Sivan. Now, since we always have Shavuot Avav Sivan, except for people in Chutzlaretz who are lovers of punishment, so they add another day. But it doesn't count, because the second day is never as good as the first. So, the Zman Matan uh, is like a new idea. It doesn't exist in the Torah. Nothing, nothing ever said anything about making a holiday out of Zman Matan but in the Siddur of the Rambam, and in the Siddur of Amram Kohen, and in the Siddur of Rashi, right? all these early Siddurim that were kind of compiled by or edited by Rishonim or Gaonim, which means, you know, serious stuff. Shavuot is always called Sman Matan Torotei. Always. And even though there's no indication in the Torah that we should make a holiday out of Matan Torah and there's a good reason for that in my opinion, we have imposed a holiday. Now that's not the holiday that we call Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah is a holiday about something that we just completed. We finished the Torah, we went through it. It could be at any time. We could do it at any time. And you know that there was a machloket between Eretz Israel and Babel in the time of the Gaonim, that in Babel they... I often get this mixed up. But in one of them, they used the triennial cycle. And in the other, the annual cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah. In Eretz Israel. They read the Torah in three years. What? Eretz Israel was triennial. Yeah. Eretz Israel was? Was triennial. Oh, Eretz Israel, you see, it's always good. I agree with It's true. Yeah. Eretz Israel was triennial. 
because the Gaonim in Babel had a tremendous influence on the rest of the Jewish world, much more than, than Eretz Israel. So in Eretz Israel, they had this great idea that they would cut down the amount of time you had to go to shul on Shabbos. So they only read a third of the parsha every week, and therefore they finished the Torah in three years, every three years. Every three years is not such a great time to have a holiday. But in Bavel, they had too many days of Sukkot. You may have noticed. There are just too many days of Sukkot, too much. And, and the end of Sukkot, the end of Sukkot doesn't have, it's called Shemini Atzeret, right? Remember that day? Shemini Atzeret doesn't sort of give you a, like, a, like a new, uh, uh, new energy. There's nothing new, there's nothing to think about, there's nothing... So, this idea of celebrating the completion of the Torah in Bavel was, was uh, a terrific idea. So terrific that in Eretz Yisrael today, Shemini Atzeret is unreasonable. Because you have to... Because Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah are the same day. In Chutz it's, it's sort of divided up. Shemini Atzeret is... The day that you say, should I sit in the sukkah, should I sit in the sukkah? And then the second day is the day where you have, uh, you have Simchat Torah. But in Eretz Yisrael, today, in the same day, on the same day, the last day of Sukkot, you have Kriyat Torah, everybody gets an Aliyah, you have, you, you have Yitzchor, you have Geshem, I mean, just too many things on the same day, but that's because because it was really a diaspora kind of holiday in Bava. And it became collapsed into Eretz Yisrael, where thankfully they didn't decide to add another day. Even though in Eretz Yisrael we do have two days of Rosh Hashanah, which also is a, a different conversation, but it's a little bit hard to understand why, we should have, why there should be two days of Rosh Hashanah in Eretz Yisrael, but, but it can be. It can be ultimately understood. Now, so Zman Matan Torateinu, Zman Matan Torateinu is um, the way we call the holiday, at least formally. Maybe informally you say Shavuot today, but formally when you daven Shemona Esrei, when you say Kiddush, you say Zman Matan Torateinu. It became, it took over. It took over the holiday of Shavuot, the old holiday of Shavuot, which is about Katsir and Bikurim and Shavuot, and Shavuot, uh, was all replaced in the way we think about it by Zman Matan Torah. So that even though the Torah doesn't want us to do this, you might say, because after all, the Torah left us confused about what the day of Matan Torah was. Was it via Bav Sivan or Zion Sivan, according to Bakhlokadu Gemara? So that itself seems to indicate to me that the Torah didn't want you to make anything out of this. The Torah didn't want you to, uh, to celebrate Zman Matan Torah Tenu. And the celebration of Matan Torah Tenu is not very clear, not very clear what it is. Okay, now I want to read a little bit of the Gemara. The Gemara says, this is a Gemara in the end of the Gila, Fatzeret Koim, Shiva Shavuot, Maftirin, Pechabakuk. 
So there, there's a, in the Gemara, the Gemara lists all the parashiyot, the special parashiyot that you read on special days, like Pesach and Sukkot and right, Ta'aniyot. The Kriyata Torah, besides the Kriyata Torah that goes from the beginning to the end, parasha after parasha, there are special Kriyata Torah that we read on special days, and they are generally included in regular Sidurim. All these different Kriyata Torah, certainly they're included in, in Matsurim. Now you see where it says Achairim Omrim, there's another opinion, right? Bachodesh Ashlishi. This is all about Atzeret. What is Atzeret? Atzeret is another name for Shavuot. Atzeret Adachak. It's another day, a name for Shavuot that we don't call it. It's not a name that we use. These three names that I told you are the names that we use. So on Atzeret, there is an opinion. Acherim Umrim. Bechodesh Ashlishi. What's Bechodesh Ashlishi? The first words of the first parak in Shmot Perak Yutet. Shmot Perak Yutet, you should remember a few prakim. Even though they were instituted by Goyim, there's nothing we can do about that. Too late. So even though Jews don't say Yutet, they say, they say uh, Yitro. But uh, Perak Yutet narrows it down a little bit. Perk Yutet Pasuk Aleph says that by Ashlishi they got to Har Sinai. So if you read, this is the time of the Gemara, right? Achirim Omrim in the time of the Gemara and Moraim before 500. That's a long time ago, right? 500 CE. A long time ago. They read the parasha. What parasha? Of Matan Torah on Shavuot, just as we do today. We do today, though there's an interesting feature in the parasha and Shavuot, that there are two ways, two sets of Ta'amei HaMikra, what they used to call truck. You know, these uh, cantillation marks. There are two sets of them. One is called the upper, and the other is called lower. And we read it differently on Shavuot than we do when we read the parasha of Yitra. To, to distinguish it, like, it's not the same. It's something special. So that the, 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 uh, the Gemara already tells us that you read the parish, the parish, the special parish that we read on Shavuot, which has to do with the holiday itself. You picked something from the whole Torah that had something to do with Shavuot. You didn't pick the psukim that call it Bikurim or the Chaga Akatsir or even Shavuot. What do you read? What parasha do you read on Shavuot? You read the parasha of Matan Torah. So already, of course, it's Achirim Omrim. Achirim, the word Achirim means there are others who say. But those others, right, this, this group, right, you see the, what it says again? Batzeret, uh, Korin, Shiva Shavuot. Shiva Shavuot. In other words, they're emphasizing this idea of Svirata Omer. Achirim Omrim. What does Achirim Omrim mean? Not only are there those who say, but there must have been those who did. They did it this way. The ones who said, ones who said, they came into the, into the Beit Midrash or into the Yeshiva, and they said, read the parasha of, of, uh, 
of Matan Torah. So they did it that way. And not only did they do it that way, but they won. Because today every Jew, every place in the world, reads the parasha of Bachodesh HaShlishi on Shavuot. So you see that there was a complete takeover of the holiday called Shavuot by another holiday called Zman Matan Tarateinu, in spite of the fact that there is no hint to any of this in the Torah or in earlier discussions saying that there's a, we've got a, except for this one Gemara that I just quoted to you, that's the only place that you feel that there might have been a, tra- a transfer, something happened. People realize that this opportunity to have Zman Matan Tarateinu is a real opportunity. Rashi, you see Rashi, this is Rashi from the Gemara. So Rashi says, That's not in there. That's at the bottom. You see, for we, we do both of them because they, we're talking about Chutzlars. Chutzlars are two days of Shavuot. So one day they learn, they read this parsha, and the other day they read the other parsha. But in the Gemara, that's not the case. The, Gemara, the case in the Gemara was that there was a difference of opinion of what Shavuot really was. Was Shavuot the last day of Srata Omer? Or was Shavuot Zman Matatarateinu? And in Eretz Yisrael, where there's only one day of Shavuot, we read the parsha beginning with the words, Machodesh HaShlishi. Rashi says, later, right? They don't since the first opinion comes first, and Nachayrim comes second. So that indicates to Rashi that the first opinion was the earlier opinion, which we would call the second opinion was a later edition. And even though it was a later edition, and usually we paskin like the earlier, the earlier position. In this case, the later position took over everything. Right? Okay, so that's what Rashi. That's what Rashi adds. That's what Rashi adds. So this Gemara, there's an interesting comment that's made by Tosfo which is repeated by this pre-tzaddik that I have, and we want, to, we want to learn a little bit of this pre-tzaddik, and then try to summarize uh, this whole, whole thing. This is what the connection to, to Bamidbar. He says that the parasha of Bamidbar, this Shabbos, is always read, Kodem Chaga Shavuot. For who could eat of the toast This is the daf we were just learning. He says there is a toast who says He says the Gemara says this is similar to our minhag of dividing up the parashiyot of the Tzavim and Vayelech. Right, what is the, what's the uh, Tzadah Shaveh between the Tzavim and Vayelech? They're both very short. And since they're both very short, you wouldn't think that you would divide them up. You divide up long parashas. 
long sections, but why divide up the Sabim and Vayela? So he says, Kishachal Shabbat ben Yom Kippur b'Sukkot. When there's an extra Shabbat between Yom Kippur and uh, uh, and Sukkot, will this I had this from. Let's skip that uh, that abbreviation. Arichut yoter kedei lapsi kodem Rosh Hashanah beparashat nitzavim bein haklalot shabemishneh Torah kodem Rosh Hashanah. So this is like an interesting idea. And this idea says that after nitzavim vayelach it's coming up, right? Rosh Hashanah is coming. Now before nitzavim vayelach you have the parasha of Kitavo. I, I, I hope this is not too. Uh, you know, calling too much on memory. Vasha Kitavo. Vasha Kitavo is a klala. Just like there was, we talked about that at the end of Bechukotai. There's a parasha, Kitavo, of a klala. <coughs> the reason probably is that the klala of Bechukotai was cancelled. When I mean, Not that the klala was cancelled, but the agreement was cancelled. When the Jews in the parasha in the book of Bamidbar, uh, uh, refused to go to Eretz Yisrael, where the Miraglim came and did whatever they did in the parish of Shlach. So you had this agreement A was cancelled and replaced by agreement B, which was in the parish of Kitavo. The agreement contains a few psukim of bracha and a lot of psukim of klala. So the Ritosvot says, well, we don't want to go into Rosh Hashanah riding on the backs of that Klalak. So whenever it comes out that there's an extra Shabbos between uh, uh, Kitavo and Rosh Hashanah, we say the parashiyot, we divide up Nitzavim and Vayelech so that the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, there'll be Vayelech and not, and not Kitavo. That's what, that's what tells what says. It's, what? So we read the parasha of Bamidbar, this, this Shabbos, before Shavuot, right? Kodem Atzeret. Before Shavuot, Kedei Lavsik Ben Aklalot Shebetorat Kohanim Lechaga Shavuot Ayein Shavuot. All of this is stated in the Tosvot, in Megillah, Davlav and Halavav. He just sort of copied it, copied it out. Then sort of, he actually copied it out. Ayein Shavuot. He says, after all, isn't it true that Shavuot doesn't usually come the day after Shabbat as it does this year? And if there are a few days in between the parasha of Bechukotai and Shavuot, why isn't that good enough? Why don't we read the parasha of Bamidbar? 
Why does that have to be the thing that divides? So he says, uh, this is the problem that if you read the Tochacha before Atzeret Shavuot and before Rosh Hashanah, Kedei Shetichleat Shana Ukilelotea, Kigvos Shavru, he says, what we want is to kind of end the Klalot. That's it. The Klalot are finished. We did it. Right? Kedei Shetichleat Shana Ukilelotea, Kigvos Shavru Bagmara Sham, Vavseku. That, on the one hand, we like to put a stop to the klala. On the other hand, we want to be careful that the bracha can get in there. And said, Because Shabbat, somehow controls the week that is coming. And therefore we want to implant the idea of bracha before Shavuot comes. And if we just had days in between the Klala and Rosh Hashanah, that wouldn't be good enough. Wouldn't be good enough to implant this, this idea. Uh, just one second. Shabbat is, after all, the source of all brachot. Right? You know that. Because the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says in Ekev, in the parish of Ekev, Bachalta, Vesavata, Uvairachta, Et Hashem Elokecha. What's the continuation? Al and you all know very well that the first bracha of Birkat Amazon is Azan Etakol. Azan Etakol. Now that seems that's pretty good, right? What's the second bracha? Al Haaretz Amazon. What do you need Haaretz? You have to give a bracha for the Haaretz. You're already given bracha number one, which is Azan Etakol. That should take care of it. That God feeds everything. You're thankful. What is Allah Aretz Alabazon? So this question is asked in the Zohar. This question is asked in the Zohar, and I'm going to tell you what the Zohar says, but don't tell me that I'm corrupting you in any way. The Zohar says, the Zohar says that all bracha comes into the world through Eretz Yisrael. That the Sinor, the pipe, that brings things from heaven into earth, passes through Yerushalayim, the Beit HaMikdash, and then goes out into the whole world. And so when we say the bracha, I mean, that's what the pasuk means. Why is it Because it's the source of bracha for the entire world. In a similar way, also in the zone. That Sodok <coughs> says that Shabbos is the source of bracha. And therefore, if you want to make a distinction between the klalot 
either of Bechukotai or of Kitavo, and whatever is coming after them, you need Shabbat. You need Shabbat. It's not that you need the time or the space, or, but you need Shabbat in particular. You need Shabbat in particular. And that's why we have to read another parashat on that, on that Shabbat. Ki Shabbatu, I'm, I'm uh, three, four, five, six, seven. Mikho, seven lines on the bottom. Mikhorah, the bracha. Mikhor bracha, the ilava, tata, the yoma. Shriyat, alyan, umimena, mitchabrim, kol sheishet, yimea, maaseh. So uh, this is a quote from the Zohar, you know, this kind of Aramaic, it's the Aramaic of the Zohar, which is usually quite, you know, simple and straightforward. V'hut t'chila l'mikrai kodesh, t'chila, is that what we say in Kiddush? T'chila l'mikrai kodesh. Even though you may remember that Shabbat was created at the end, but it's t'chila l'mikrai kodesh, it's at the head the apex, the only, the one from which we derive Mikrai, Kodesh, and all other special days. And so he says, the way we do it, Shavuot will never fall on Shabbat. Yom Tov Shel Again, I'm reading it. Four lines on the bottom. Lo yistamein l'fichesh boneinu la'olam b'shabbat atzmo rak be'echad b'sheishet yimea ma'atzeh. Shavuot is also always one of the six days. It's never going to fall on Shabbat. So you have to have a Shabbat that doesn't have a Klala. And that's why we organized it so that we always read Bamidbar. Always read by Midbar on, on the Shabbat before Shavuot. Rosh Hashanah, Gam Shizdamein Lefamim, Sheira B'Shabbat Atzmoim, Kelzeh Alod Isharak, Shabbat Achad Al Parashat Azinu, Kidei L'Sayim HaTorah B'Simchat Torah Kadot. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. If you turn the page, if you turn the page, we get to the parasha of Bamidbar. See? Hine hashra'ata bracha, the the devolving bracha, the kriyat parashat pamidbar daika. Yesh lo mar bazeh, ta'avin lama nikra asefer azeh. The mishnah de yoma, b'shem chumash avkudim. This is a question. The Ramban asked this question. The Nitziv asked this question, and the Pritzadik asked the question in chronological order. In the in the Gemara. The book of Bamidbar is called Pikudim. Pikudim, what's a good uh, translation? Uh, no, noticing things. Right? Pion Pakdi or Pakadati. God notices. It's the, it's the, the time of, of noticing. But specifically they're referring to the counting. The fact that people are counted in the book of Bamidbar. 
על שם המספר של בני ישראל שנזכר בו, והלא יש עוד כמה ענייני מצוות שנזכרו בו, זה how come the חכמים called it פקודים, it's true that they, that they counted the people in the, in the parish of Bamidbar, right? We're talking about Bamidbar, we got to Bamidbar, somehow. So they, the Chachamim uh, call it Chumash Pekudim. So the Pritzadik says, look, I mean, it's very important to count the people, but it's not like world-shaking and it's, and it's ideas. I mean, well, there are other things in the parasha of Babit, but why were they so taken, taken up with it? Amnam Lo'adar Shaita B'Medrash Rabbah Hamisha Pa'amim Or K'neged Hamisha Humshei Torah וההבדל אלוקים בין האור ובין החושך נגד ספר במדבר שמבדיל בין יוצאי מצרים לבאי הארץ. This is the difference. The, the, the important thing about the book of במדבר is because of Medrash, it doesn't matter, but the important thing about the book of במדבר in general is that it's מבדיל בין, uh, it's מבדיל בין יוצאי מצרים so if you remember the book of Bamidbar by heart, and if you don't, there's still time. <laughs> so you know that the people were counted twice. The people were counted twice. First they were counted in the parasha of Bamidbar. And then much later on, at the end of the 38 years of draying around, they were counted again. They were counted again in the parasha of Benchas. And so the first counting, the first counting was the counting of Yotzei Mitzrayim, the Jews who left Mitzrayim. And the second counting is the counting of the Jews who came into Eretz Yisrael, who came into Eretz Yisrael. And so, and so the Medrash calls, they, they, says that the Pasuk, Vayavdel, that God distinguished the light from the dark, that's the book of Bamidbar. Because Bamidbar, this, Bamidbar recognizes the fact that there was a new generation, that the essential difference between Gitziat Mitzrayim and Knisad Eretz Kenan was that even though there was an imperfection in both, but the people of Gitziat Mitzrayim grew up without the Torah. And the people who came to Eretz Israel came to Eretz Israel with the Torah. With the Torah. And so we have a kind of a special connection between two connections, between the parasha of Bamidbar, which sort of emphasizes for us, if we remember Pinchas from last year, emphasizes the fact that there's a difference when you talk to going to Eretz Israel, going with the Torah or coming out of Mitzrayim, bereft of the Torah, unable. So, as in history, what happened was, whatever the reasons, what happened was that the people who left Mitzrayim did not get to Eretz Yisrael, and the people who came to Eretz Yisrael were the people who received, received the Torah. So according to the pre-Tzadik, there's another reason to emphasize the Torah is part of the process. The Torah is part of the process which led B'nai Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael and that's somehow infused in Bar Midbar because when you get to Bar Midbar you say, well, why did the Chachamim call it 
Chumash Pekudim. Why? Is there anything else important? The answer is, there is nothing else that is important. And since Bamidbar, the parish of Midbar, it's tied irrevocably to Shavuot, the Dalek, that we call Shavuot. But you see that hitting, hidden in Shavuot is also Matan Torah in the parasha of Bamidbar. It's not just that we read the parasha of Bamidbar before Shavuot to make a break between the Klala and Shavuot, but there's something more essential about the parasha of Bamidbar that makes it the perfect corollary to Shavuot, especially like this year when we, we read Bamidbar and then we have Shavuot immediately thereafter. I would like to make uh, one more comment, if I may. Chagim, what? Just explain, I'm not sure. I think. Let's explain. Midbar is not, is not the right? The counting? It's right, right. It's not the counting. No, no, but we call it, say. yeah, but we say, we remind ourselves, the Chazal call it Chumash Pekudim. Pekudim plural. There were two Pekudim, and so we remember all that. We remember all that, and that memory makes sense, according to the pre So it's that and the one at Pekudim. Yeah. But there are two kinds of holidays that the Jews have. One kind of holiday is where we try to recreate the past. We try to recreate the past. That's Pesach and Sukkot. On both of these days, on Pesach, we left the trial, we were forced to eat matzah, everything was quick, we tell the story, we recreate the past. We are, I mean, you could say that the past affects the present, the present, blah, 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 but they, we start from the past. That's what we start from. Right? There's no doubt about it. We said they're eating a matzah. Uh, the only rationale or primary rationale is because that's what they did. They ate matzot. I mean, after that it gets a little more difficult. But uh, we understand that we were creating the, pa- the past. When it comes to sitting in a sukkah, let's say the gig was sukkot of shakti and v'day Yisrael, but we do what they did. We did what the... What the and, and if there is a kind of current aspect to it, if there is some way that the rabbi in the synagogue can touch it and make it now, a now mitzvah, there's no doubt that it originates as an imitation of then. Right? Then is important to us. Have we learned the lesson? Have we proceeded properly? Right? Then is a very important, a very important idea. <coughs> Matantara is different. Matanta Rabbi Chalal is different. You see, you know, that in the, the memory, the Jewish memory, Har uh, Sinai, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as Har Sinai. What do I mean? If you went to a, to a book, a geography book, or a book with maps in it, and you looked for Har Sinai, immediately you'd say, you see, that there are two Mount Sinai's in the Sinai Desert. In this book that you have, not a Jewish book, a book, a Bible geography book, or, or the one from Mozart or Cook, you see there's one in the north and one in the south. Now that's a little strange, isn't it, to think that the Torah was given in two different places? But we never had anything to do with that. We Jews, we never try to figure it out. We don't run tours to our Sinai. We don't have a uh, pilgrimage on Shavuot to go to Har Sinai and read the Torah. 
even though a great uh, rabbi once did do that, but then he gave up. Uh, why is that? Why is that? Because uh, in, in, in Matan Torah, the event of Matan Torah has really two parts in it. One is that God gave the Torah, and the other is that we accepted the Torah. I mean, there are two parts. But you remember that the first time, Moshe Rabbeinu came down to Harsinai and he saw what was going on in the camp. He broke the Luchot. Now, why did he break the Luchot? He broke the Luchot because he had no one to give them to. There was no one, no one there without corrupting the whole idea. He, he, so he broke them. I mean, it was not like, a, it wasn't simple chutzpah. It was the right thing to do at that particular moment. So there's Kabbalat Torah, that the holiday, which we call Matan Torah, may really be the holiday of Kabbalat Torah. And if it's, if it's the holiday of Kabbalat Torah, then it doesn't really have a time. It doesn't really exist in time. Because Kabbalat Torah is a devolving obligation, right? Throughout the generations, every person who comes up the bat has a new obligation to accept the Torah. It's like never ending. I mean, you could sit in somebody else's sukkah and you could eat at somebody else's seder, but you can't accept the Torah by proxy. Really. You can't. You might want to get an advantage, you know, like Yisachar and Zulun, but you have, to, you have to be accepting of the Torah on your own. You have to make the brachot every day on your own. And since you have to accept the Torah every day on your own, it's, it becomes a kind of a timeless holiday. It becomes a timeless holiday so that the holiday that we celebrate, the idea that we say, Matan Torah Tenu, Matan Torah Tenu means we can kind of fix it but not really. We know, we know when Matan Torateta was. But there's a minhag. There's an interesting minhag which is counterindicated by any stretch of anybody's imagination. And that is you should stay up all night long and learn Torah. Now, why would anybody think they could stay up all night long and learn Torah? They don't ever do that. It's not like people are staying up all night. That's not their normal schedule. But they stay up all night to emphasize the fact that their obligation on Zman Matan Torah Tenu is Kabbalat Torah. And that Kabbalat Torah happens now. It could happen every day of Sirat Omer. It could happen after Sirat Omer is over. It becomes the timeless aspect, the timeless aspect of it. So that if you add together some of these ideas, the idea of reading Vamidbar, the idea of Sefer Kudim, the idea of the timelessness of accepting the Torah and Matan Torah, the difference between Yotzei Mitzrayim and Eilish and Chlesul, the Eretz Kinan, I think you sort of get a feeling for what is going on on, on, on Shavuot. Maybe not with great precision, but a notion that might be good. Yeah? The base of the league, I just had the base of the league. It's exactly what you said about, uh, about the Matan Torah, right? He explains the Machlokas in Yomom Daftalad. The Matan Torah, what? He says the Machlokas about whether it was given on the sixth or seven. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he says the seven. Okay, so then he says, what is the Burgos on Matanfa or Kamlatatra? There you go. Well, I hope you don't, you don't blame me. I, I don't remember it at all, but that doesn't mean that I didn't steal it. <laughs> you know, the, the best things that anybody ever says are things that he forgot. <laughs> okay. Have a good Shabbos.